0: Sure, it's good to see you. It feels like it's been forever since I have seen so many of you. And I think this is the first time since I was assigned here in 2014 that I missed two Sundays in a row. It feels very strange. But I have to tell you, I think, <laughs> luckily, you know, coming back, getting to preach to everybody at a Sunday Mass for the first time, at least I got an easy gospel, right? I mean, gosh, this is about as easy as they come when Jesus seemingly calls a woman a dog. That's great. Um, but, you know, I think as this shows, context is key. I mean, you've got to know what's going on, what the wider picture, what the wider story is. For example, if you were to be talking to friends who are not around here, and you say, that lazy pastor of ours, he's just been hanging out at his house, you know, just relaxing for like two weeks, didn't even show up to Mass on Sunday for two weeks in a row. And if you left it there, to be fair, that would probably not make me look very good, would it? But to say, well... It was because he tested positive for this pandemic thing that we got going on. You know, so context is a very important thing to understand that, you know, I wasn't just ditching you all and sleeping in. Although I will tell you just a quick little story. I didn't intend to tell you this, but I think it's funny. So last Sunday, it was a Sunday, and I'm not used to sleeping in on a Sunday, but I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sleep in this Sunday. Although the deacon called me at 730 to make sure everything was going, going well. I said, hey, buddy everything's going fine. And then I kind of laid there, you know, that feeling when it's like, you know, you should probably get up, but you don't really want to get up yet. Like, I'm just going to lay here for a little while. And, you know, maybe I'll fall back to sleep. And then all of a sudden, I thought it was my air conditioner, but like the whole house shook, you know? I was like, I guess that means I should get up. And then apparently God was not in the earthquake, but he was telling me it's time to get up and pray, you know? So, Thank God we survived Earthquake 2020. I'm sorry I couldn't be here with you to experience the fun that that was. But, hey, we keep going. We're surviving pandemics and earthquakes and Deacon Jim not even being here this Sunday. So, I mean, we're we're making it through it all, right? But when you think about the context, I think it's crucial that we get what's going on in the gospel, like where Jesus is and what happens right before. And last week, we were in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Today, we jumped ahead to verse 21 in chapter 15. Well, the fact that Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, something happened first in verses 1 to 20 in chapter 15. And I'm just going to tell you about it. But I highly recommend go back and read that little bit in between to get the full context of what's going on. And in fact, it's a good practice anyway, because we kind of jump sometimes, and you don't really get the whole picture. I'd say, you know, if you can, start the practice. This is what I try to do for preaching, is on Sunday night, I go ahead and start getting ready for homily next Sunday. Go ahead and look at it. Look at the... Citation and see what did we miss in between, because sometimes it's crucial. But this is the way chapter 15 starts. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Now, here's the thing. We just had a gospel of the Canaanite woman who comes to him. And when you think about the way that she comes to him, she cries out to him, you know, Lord, son of David, have pity on me, right? She calls him Lord right out of the gate, right? What do the Pharisees and scribes who come to him from Jerusalem do? What, how do they address him? They don't even give him a title. Like sometimes you get the lesser title of teacher at least. They don't even address him. It's like, hey, you, why do they do this? And this is the funny thing. Why do they not wash their hands, right? That's what they're focused on. Now, I get it. There's, you know, the ritual purity laws and all of that. And it's not like you just throw everything out. But they don't even address him, like, with any kind of a respectful title. Just why do they do this? And, of course, Jesus goes on to point out to them that, guys, you're doing things that are far worse They're not washing your hands, right? That they're taking money that would have been dedicated to the care of elderly parents, saying, hey, if you give it to us, it's all taken care of, right? And he goes on to quote the prophet Isaiah to them, that this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, okay? He says that to them, quoting to them the prophet Isaiah, the same prophet we heard in the first reading today. And they kind of go back and forth a little bit, and the disciples are worried Because they said, Lord, I think you offended the Pharisees when you said that. And he goes on to call them blind guides, leading the blind. And he says that it's not what comes into the mouth that makes you impure. It's what comes out of the mouth, what comes from the heart. You know, that evil and treachery and adultery and all of those things that come from within us. That's what makes us unclean, not just about ritual purity and washing our hands. And then he goes from the children of Israel, right? The Pharisees who don't address him with any kind of reverence, who ask him about the washing of hands, and the disciples who are worried that he might have just offended them. That's the children of Israel that he's there with right now, the ones that he came to be with first. He withdraws to pagan territory, to Tyre and Sidon. And this woman, this Canaanite woman, and the Canaanites... They don't have a great history. They're known for being in league with demons. It's one of those things where the fact that her daughter is possessed, it's kind of part of being in that culture. They were known in the past for worshiping and sacrificing two demons. In fact, they're one of the races that the Lord told the people of Israel to wipe out, which they didn't do. But that's the context out of which she's coming, right? So he's been with the children of Israel who aren't exactly giving him reverence and respect, comes into the pagan region that he wasn't sent to first, and who comes out to him? This Canaanite woman, right? And she's calling out to him, Lord, son of David, have pity on me. And of course, he's silent at first. She keeps on going. She keeps on praying. The disciples send her away. The same disciples who were worried about Jesus offending the Pharisees, now they're saying, Send her away, this one who's being so respectful to you. Okay, so, you know, he says, I came first to the children of Israel, which is true. And then she keeps going, you know, coming up closer, Lord, help me, you know. And then what does he say to her? Well, that line that is so shocking, right? It's not right to take the food of the children. And throw it to the dogs. Now, I will say this. Remember at the time, their dogs were not like our dogs. We're not talking about little Fido under the table and everybody loves Fido and there he is and he's cute. No, I mean, dogs were like on the outskirts, you know, like roaming the streets, eating the scraps, you know, I mean, sort of like a street rat, so to speak, right? There are the dogs wandering around. And if you imagine, you know, like let's say, you know, at at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, the turkey's been cooked, dad is carving it, and as he walks to the table, he turns to walk outside and tosses that outside to a wandering mutt, right? That wouldn't be great. We wouldn't be excited to see that, you know, if the way that things are going, but look at her. She doesn't even say, I'm not a dog. She says, please, Lord. Even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table. And actually in the Greek, it's beautiful because he does soften it a bit. He basically says like the little dogs. He at least makes the dog sound kind of cute. And she's almost playing around because she uses the same form and says the dogs eat the little scraps that fall from the table. When you see the way that she reacts to Christ as compared to the Pharisees, as compared to the scribes, as compared to the disciples, those who should A, know better, the Pharisees and the scribes, and his disciples who have been walking with him, who have seen him feed the 5,000. And what did he he have after feeding the 5,000? Twelve wicker baskets full of what? Scraps, right? They know that he's overflowing with grace But they don't get it yet. Neither do the Pharisees. Those who should be close to him, it's going right over their heads. They're not being reverent yet. And then look at this woman coming from a demon-infested culture, begging for help out of that, breaking through the silence, right? When you think about our constantly stimulated world, we're all so rapidly on our phones, right? I mean, we're so quickly, to, we quickly look at things. I've heard that you know, cell phone companies, different advertisers invest in the right color that will keep us focused, you know, and keep scrolling forever, looking for something. You know, like we're, we're always pulled in many different directions. The devil, diablo, it means scatterer. It's like he's pulling our attention all these different ways. To stop for a minute and to be quiet to be in the quiet of the church, it takes a while to sort of calm down and listen to him, right? It takes a little while to get through, to show that reverence, to persevere, and to remember that when it comes to our prayer lives, we're Christians. We're in league with, we're in love with Jesus Christ. This isn't like you know some sort of Hinduism meditation reaching a state of nirvana and you've know, you got to have these mental practices. No, it's deeper than that. It's a relationship. And a relationship just doesn't mean like, well, I have this technique and then once I've done this, my prayer life will be perfect. No, it's, we've got to keep working at it, right? We've got to keep talking to our Lord, approaching him with love and reverence. And that's what the woman does today. And frankly, too... With humility, recognizing the fact that really, I mean, we're entitled to nothing when you think about it. I mean, we're blessed to have our existence, to have our life, to live in a world that love is an actual reality. And how many times have we, in the midst of our culture, which is so demon-infested, kind of gone in different ways rather than being with him? And so as we come to him and ask for help, to realize for him to draw us out of that, takes a little bit of work, takes a little bit of perseverance, takes some humility. But thanks be to God, that's what that woman does. And look at what happens. Not only does she get what she's asking for, right? It's almost anticlimactic. That last line, and the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. That's fantastic, right? That's what she was looking for. But the great sort of gem in the midst of this gospel is that quote from Jesus. Oh, woman, great is your faith. And it may sound kind of funny, but there are only five times in all of the Gospels that Jesus says, oh, and I know it seems kind of funny, it's just very brief, but usually when he says it, he's saying it in surprise at lack of faith. For example, on the road to Emmaus, right after the resurrection, as they're walking along and the two disciples just don't understand what's going on, he says, oh, you of little faith, you're so slow to believe, he's flabbergasted by them. Today... He's flabbergasted by her faith. Oh, woman, great is your faith. I think today, as we look at the context of this gospel, it's important to ask ourselves how do I approach Christ? Do I approach him like the Pharisees and the disciples who just sort of take him for granted? St. John Vianney said that too many of us approach prayer like this. We come into the church and say, I'm going to have as little to do with you as I have to. I'll talk to you a little bit, and then I'll be done with you until next week, right? And it's important, I think, to ask ourselves the question, do I do that in my prayer? Am I just kind of like checking the box to get it done? Now, I will say, I'm not like wagging my finger at you at all. I'm so proud of you. I mean, look at this. We still don't have an obligation to be here, so to speak, right? I have been praying like crazy for the last 36 hours that it does not rain this morning. Hey, isn't this great? I mean, first Sunday back, and it's actually more beautiful than it's been, right? I mean, he even went above and beyond the no rain, to quote Blind Melon, he went to the point of making it beautiful out here. It's like we got outside air conditioning today. It's great. I mean, I want to say thank you in a big way to JR and Virginia Roach for providing for those awesome fans. But then the next weekend, we don't even really need them that bad. We got the natural breeze. It's fantastic. You know, God provides. But the important thing is, is we don't treat him like Walmart, right? Like, I know I'll go there. I'll get the savings. I'll get what I want. I'll get the heck out of there. No. Like, that's not what he wants from us. He's going to give us what we need. Ultimately, he's even going to give us what we want and even better than that. But the question is, how do we go about asking for it? Do we do it in such a way that expects that I want a continued relationship? Not like the Pharisees, why do they not wash their hands? Do we just come here to say, why is this going this way? You know, why is the church not perfect? Why did this guy do this? Why is society that, well, okay, yeah, there are questions, there are difficulties. But he doesn't want to just be, you know, like a reference desk that answers questions. He wants us to be in love with him. He wants us to have the gift of faith. Look at the beautiful example of this woman, of showing us that even when there's an apparent offense, right? Even when she gets compared to a dog, she doesn't even say, but, right? Just please, Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps, I know how good you are. And that's the important thing in our prayer life too, to know how good he is. To know that even in the past, if we've neglected him, if we've taken him for granted, especially pre-pandemic time, right? He's still here. And we have the opportunity to come to him and to say, Lord, son of David, have pity on me. And I would say too, just one more example, one more analogy now, here she is coming from the land of Canaan with a bad history, with a lot of bad things going on. Our society has a lot of terrible things going on. As euthanasia has pushed more and more, as countless children have been killed in the womb, as we're tearing ourselves apart, I think we can take something from the gospel today. I mean, obviously, we can always take things from the gospel. But to take the example of this woman, to pray for our possessed daughter, to pray for our possessed nation. And to have faith that he can drive the demon out. He is more powerful. He is risen from the dead. But I think the important thing that we need to do to draw more people into that is not to just be worried about washing our hands. Not to just be worried about perfect, like I guess like the perfect way of living like a Catholic, of looking like a Catholic. But even deeper than that, not just letting our lips honor him, but making sure our hearts are close to him. Because when you think about the people that have inspired you throughout your life, it's people who are in love, people who are authentically close to what they believe in, and there is nothing and no one more worth believing in, more true, than truth himself, Jesus Christ. Are we in a dark time? Of course we are. It's strange. It's weird. But the good thing is is that the light has come into the world. The darkness has not overcome it. And how we fight against that darkness is to be in love with the light himself. And the light stays with us. And we cannot take the light for granted and treat him like an electrical switch that we just turn on and off, but rather one that we look to through the darkness, who comes to us in the midst of our life, who we go to with all of our hearts. My brothers and sisters in Christ, as we look at this Canaanite woman and to see the good that her faith does, her daughter was healed immediately. As long as we do that, when we come to our Lord with our whole hearts, when we persevere through the silence, through the seeming time of our Lord taking his time, as we humble ourselves like this woman and strive not to just honor him with our lips, but to be close to him with our hearts, not only do we get on fire with his love, but we make an incredible difference in driving out the demons of this world and showing this dark world that the light is real that Jesus Christ is in our midst.
1: May all of us,
0: today and every day, stay close to him. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.